chops you up. Ooh, 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 Welcome to the Kindness Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Harrington, where each week I'll be interviewing game changers who are up to good things in the world, supporting us with health and wellness resources, and ultimately how to live your kindest life. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Patrick Harrington with the Kindness Collective Podcast. And I'm here with a friend, a mentor, a teacher, uh, an inspiration, somebody that has really been a leader in uh, the world of yoga and mindfulness and somebody that's uh, brought a lot of perspective to me over the years. And uh, thank you so much for being here, Amy Apolity. Appreciate you. It's always great to be with you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, you can you can expect this conversation to go across the the subject of yoga for sure. But where we're really wanting to point today is towards adhikara, which is studentship, and really looking at what it what is occurring in our perspectives right now around studentship and kind of what it's like to be a student. And Amy's going to tell us a little bit about how she got started and what studentship has felt like over the years, um, from a teacher perspective, also from her own journey. And, uh, yeah, really excited, uh, to be here. So let's see, where did you, you're, in, you're a New Yorker. Originally. Yeah. I was born and raised in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, you started practicing yoga when you were six months, seven months old. What was that? <laughs> Long time. You've been 16. Yeah, 16. Okay. Yeah. 16. Yeah, and uh, so tell us a little bit about what uh, you probably just went on online, and and went searching for the local yoga studio. Is Back that how in, it was? Not in the eighties, <laughs> yeah, before a the internet, scene, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, I had I was working out at a little fitness boutique studio. Um, my whole family went there, and I actually was working behind the desk. Okay. To trade for fitness classes mm. and. My mother noticed that yoga had been added to the schedule. And so she said, do you want to join me? Let's go try out what yoga is. Right. And I was like, sure, I'm up for anything. Uh-huh. And we went together to class. Mm. And that's where it all started. That's cool. Yeah. What's your mom's name? Roberta. Roberta. <laughs> Shout out to Roberta. Yeah, totally. Hey. Yeah, she helped me. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it love at first uh, down dog or what, what? how was that? Yeah, I don't even know if we did down dog, but um, it was definitely <clears throat> like super weird and far out because that was, <laughs> it was 1986, right? So yeah. super weird um, out there. And so throughout the class, I was kind of looking over at my mom like this is so out there. Uh-huh. But then I wanted to go back. And even during Shavasana, I can't believe I went back because she did the whole relaxation thing where Uh they talk you through like relax this and then relax that and then relax your legs and relax your jaw and all the relaxed things. Mm -hmm. 
And she got to like the pelvic area and went, relax your genitals. <laughs> oh, 16. Exactly. <laughs> and then she kept going, relax yeah. your anus. Right. Wow. And so, but I still liked the class, yeah, even right. though I was like dying, <laughs> giggling, giggling. <laughs> looking at my mom, you know, but um, yeah, I, some, something about it was, was very mysterious. Something about it captured my being more so than just the physical practice of it mm-hmm. and the stretching and like trying to make these shapes. It was, it was like, there's something more here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it has the answers mm. to what life is all about. Wow. And surely what's going on in high school right now, which was all petty popularity contests, was not what life was all about. Right. And I knew that intuitively. And then the yoga class was like, yeah, you're right. Wow. And I knew I had to keep doing it. Amazing. Yeah. That's a, what a, what a cool story. And so, um, as a student, there was something for you that felt like you were almost being led or that something was uncovering itself. In a way. Yeah. It was just that there, I could feel that whole concept of the iceberg where you've seen that meme mm-hmm. where the iceberg on top of the surface of the water says asana. Yes. And then like underneath there's this massive iceberg under the water that says, you know, the rest of yoga. And I really got that there was this other part of yoga. Yes. That was beyond just what we were doing in the class. And that if I stuck with it, those secrets and those elements would be revealed over time and that I would get answers of like what the meaning of life was. And I was a privileged kid that got to do yoga, you know, even do it or to be able to ask those questions and not be in survival mode Mm -hmm. like a lot of other kids. Um, So I, I was asking those existential questions at 16 Mm -hmm. And I felt this this has the answer somehow. I may not know it now, but it has the answer. I'm going to keep keep doing this. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's an interesting <clears throat> word. This has the answer. Especially when, when I reflect just as you were talking, mm-hmm. this has the answer. And so much of yoga actually is self-referencing. And yeah. so do you <clears throat> think you had an inclination at that time that the this that you were thinking of was actually you? Maybe a slight inclination, right. but I don't, I, it was more like I'm going to get answers about myself too. Yeah. 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 That's cool. And so uh, take us forward in the timeline that you kept practicing throughout high school. Yeah. So throughout high school, I was able to go pretty regularly and then college kind of interrupted that, but summer's home. I would have a chance to practice. And it wasn't really until after college that I had the opportunity to go regularly that I saw how yoga could affect my life. Mm. So that was like 11 years into it. Right. I was um, practicing about three to five times a week at a local studio. And the thing that I noticed most about it was that if I went at least three times a week, I was less reactionary in New York situations. So New York situations are like 
getting into little tussles on the subway and that kind of thing. Like I used to get furious and curse and scream and like Mm. kind of misdirect my anger at people who cut me off or that kind of thing. I would feel anger. And when I would go to yoga three times a week, when those things, those same things would happen, it would just be like water rolling off a duck's back, like, oh, no big deal, whatever, you know? Right. So there was less of that kind of charged irritation, if you will. <clears throat> and that that struck me as really useful yeah. living in a city like New York. And then there was this constant drive inside, like, I got to keep going to this practice because I'm still going to get more answers about myself and I'm still going to learn more and I'm about who I am and why I'm here. And that drive to keep taking yoga was not only because it was helping me with these day-to-day conflicts and so forth, but I also felt like I'm tapping into this big abyss of knowledge that is vast and, you know, just infinite. Right. And I wanted more of that. Plus, I was also getting <clears throat> getting connected to community. Right. Starting to make friends who were doing mm. it. And that felt really great to surround myself with like-minded people mm-hmm. that felt the same way about life and um, go out to dinners with them and go rock climbing together and all these things. So that, that it started to get even more cool after right. college, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the regularity. Yeah, and more, uh, the reasons kept compounding a a bit. Like, there was more reasons. There was the community reasons. Then I've got friends, people I might see there. Right. Um, We can all grow together in this. Yeah. Mm. And so you're you're 27 ish around this time. And what are you, what do you have? Do you have a job that's in the city or how, how was all that? Happening? Yeah, I had several jobs. So uh-huh. I was, um, the main nanny for my little sister. Right. I was working at an environmental department store for a while, teaching self-defense and mm. empowerment classes for women, teaching a little bit of fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah. And, and just going to yoga. Right. Wow. And sounds like a dream. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. I had a bunch of jobs. <laughs> yeah, right. The hustle. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so what was what were yoga classes like during that time? Um, was it was vinyasa a thing? Was yeah. Was so the that... main there like what I had been learning was a kind of form of Shivananda yoga. So very much like like do a pose and then relax. Yep. So flow and glow kind of yoga. Mm. And then um, met a teacher that um, started a studio and they had hired Cindy Lee Mm -hmm. to teach there. And I, through a a series of circumstances, made it to her class and then was exposed to vinyasa for the first time, which was based in more Jiva Mukti type yoga. So Jiva Mukti was very much part of New York City yoga life. Um, So very much um, based in the Ashtanga system of vinyasa, but with creative choreography, particularly with Cindy. And that blew my mind open because then it was like chaturanga and Mm. up dog and handstands and inversions and all these much more challenging poses. And that was just, that blew my mind open because for 11 years I'd just been doing like yeah. really simple poses with right. no flow. Right. 
And that that was like, oh my God, it's so vast. Yes. There's even more to learn. There's more. Yeah. And then it just kept going like that. Like I just kept opening up another box, like nesting Russian dolls. Like mm-hmm. this thing's infinite. This is never going to end yeah. what I can learn. And, <laughs> and yeah, I'm still feeling like that. And you still feel like that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know. Yeah. I feel like that too. Um, it it is, it is this, uh, never ending story and it is, uh, really being, being taught and being told, but at the same time, it's, it's my story. It's, it's the story of me. My practice Mm -hmm. is the story of me. Your practice is the story of you. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we're a community of, you know, uh, kind of storytellers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stories. And of course that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way it is, you know whatever power lifters probably could mm-hmm. relate to that, you know, right. in their community or, or, or a different group of folks. Um, and I think one of the things that makes yoga so unique is that it's a, a group of seekers that to some degree or more, they're aware that their story includes self-inquiry. Right. <laughs> right. And so was self-inquiry a, a thing that de- were you always self-inquiring um, or did that develop really through the practice or how did it change as you grew, really grew up? Yeah, I, I would say I was quite self-inquiring. In fact, I would say my whole spiritual practice started when I was babysitting my little brother and looked up at the wall of books that my dad had and Mm -hmm. he had done a lot of sort of self-study and you know at the new school and so he had a bunch of wacky books on the shelf and my body got up and you know fixated on this one title Mm. the Tao Te Ching wow and I just my body just stood up and picked up the book and pulled it down. And when I opened the book, I was shocked because I was looking at one of the verses and it was the lyrics to a popular pop song wow. of one of my idols. And then I realized that the song he took from this book, wow. like, you know, he pulled the lyrics right out of this book and put it to music. How cool. And so I just went, what is this book? You know, I got to read this book. And that's actually what started my journey because the book, The Tao Te Ching, is all about are you looking into who you are? Mm -hmm. Like you have all the answers you seek inside. And so I was determined to read that book from cover to cover. And that was, yeah, it was about 16 right when I started yoga. Can't remember which happened first, but um, that's really started my journey with, with kind of looking inside, I had that hunger and that curiosity to begin with. Um, and certainly yoga and the teachings of yoga have reinforced that, I would say. Yeah. So it's sort of like chicken or the egg goes both ways. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Uh, and so Cindy Lee was an influence, kind of a, uh, yeah. took, took the lid off of it, it sounds like. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know Cindy Lee, she is a... <laughs> um, a real standard in the yoga world and um, remind me her, yeah, legend, remind me her, her, the studio or the... So she, yeah, she started Om Yoga Studio yeah. in New York, which thrived and thrived for many, many years, was a staple in New York mm-hmm. and um, trained in Jiva Mukti, but also was a dance choreographer. Yeah. So you know, she choreographed 
music videos like Cindy Lauper, Girls Just oh, Want to wow. Have Fun. And so she brought this incredible creative energy to vinyasa flows and had a, she still does have a fantastic um, sense of humor and rooted in Tibetan Buddhism as a oh. philosophy. Wow. So, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And so from Cindy, how did your journey continue? Well, from there, I went, like, as soon as I graduated from her teacher training, that's mm-hmm. where I did my first okay. training. I worked at her studio right when it opened. And, but but basically right after teacher training, I went out to um, a yoga journal, not a yoga journal, but a, a conference on yoga called the Southwest Yoga Conference out in Albuquerque. And I was like, I'm going to go on a road trip and, you know, a solo trip. Yeah. My first solo trip, I'm going to rent my own car Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go out there and find yet another teacher. And I'm going to learn what it's like to live the lifestyle of a yogi Yeah, because I'm going to go to a conference with other yogis, you know? (laughs) And, um, I thought that this is definitely what I want to do. And none of my classmates would go with me. So I just went on my own on this pilgrimage and, um, there I met a ton of teachers that I really respected and loved working with, but one really stood out, which was John Friend. Yep who founded Anusara Yoga, which is no longer around. Um, but I studied, I ended up studying with him for over a decade, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, probably like 12, 15 years or something crazy. Yeah. Um, really, really closely until things got a little bit off track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, he was just an extraordinary teacher at the time. Yeah. And then that opened up yet another box of like, oh, alignment. Yeah. Okay. So we've got challenging poses and flow with Cindy Lee but now we also have all the challenging poses but we're adding this layer of how do we align our bodies and how do we connect with spirit in a way that embraces uh, life Um, not as a problem to be solved but as you know a gift and a blessing you know to be alive so there was this philosophical component to it in tantra um, but then there was also so much about biomechanics and alignment that really shifted my body in ways that I'm still benefiting from at 50 years old. Right. You know, never had orthopedic surgery, for example, when everyone in my family has. Right. So it's it's been a great journey in that way. And it's opened my eyes to the anatomical aspects of yoga, the, more the science parts of yoga. Right. So, uh, and put me on a path to evolve it even further, even though the system is no longer, you know, a thing. Yep. I've evolved from there through studying now with um, physical therapists and mm-hmm. exercise physiologists and um, people who have degrees in you know, in, in the more physical aspects of yoga or not yoga, but, um, exercise and that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Mm -hmm. PTs and stuff. So that's, it's been great just to be in Boulder, Colorado, where we have so many athletes and the need for those kinds of practitioners that we can learn from. Yeah. The expertise. Totally. And they, and, and this day and age, unlike, um, you know, any time in the past up until now, there's so much layering that goes on. You as a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. just as you're talking about it, are, are taking these these in, incredibly deep 
practices uh, flow to more alignment from a yogic perspective and now uh, layering on really more of a Western perspective on anatomy in a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of ways as well. Yeah, like why not collaborate? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and cross-pollinate awesome. information. Yeah. And so as a student, what... Um, during, during that time, what I hear that might be distinct for some people that are, that are tuning in is that this was a real, uh, for you, you gravitated towards certain teachers that had accumulated uh, a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. and then you studied <clears throat> with them for a decade in some cases yeah. or more. Do you, do you see, how, how is today's landscape different from that time or is it different i think it's different for some um and it's the same or similar i should say for others it'll never be quite the same but sure i think there's a concept out there now that lines up with where we're at as a culture which is we have this instant gratification kind of culture where you can Google something and get an answer. You can use your GPS and find out exactly how to get somewhere without having to do any work. Whereas, you know, for me to get to you today, if this was 1980, I'd be like pulling out the maps of Denver, Colorado (laughs) and like literally charting a path myself. Yes. And that would take me probably 20 minutes or something, 15 minutes Mm -hmm. I'd have to chart that out during my day yeah now i just plug your address in and it's like boom at yeah, and somebody tells you <laughs> and they, <laughs> they tell me how to go they, yeah. t- they tell me all the turns so that that's really changed i think our the speed at which we want results uh-huh. and so <clears throat> as a result yoga students i think are looking at yoga more as like checking off a box Mm-hmm. then this is a lifestyle or this is a way of life for me or this is an ongoing path. And that comes perhaps back from yoga teachers who, um, you know, now classes are shorter. Mm-hmm. Like they used to be 90 minutes long. So we have less time to convey yeah. that, hey, yoga is a way of life. Right. Like you could actually do this for a while. You could have your own practice and your own community and you could grow within a community. It's more like, hey, come for 60 minutes, get your practice done, check a box. Yeah. And I think that yoga teachers are not immune to this kind of like quick sort of culture, busy culture. And certainly studios are not immune to that either. Sure. And there's, but at the same time, there are rare studios where there is still this kind of, you know, it's almost like slow food. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. The slow like food movement. They're still up for classes which inspire students to think about a heart quality that they want to cultivate in their life and bring that home to their families or off the mat kind of activities in their workplace or inspire a student to be interested perhaps in one of the yoga scriptures, you know, and how that scripture might um, inspire them to live more skillfully. Mm -hmm. There are so many teachers out there that are fighting, you know, for sort of like the old ways of that slow cooking Mm -hmm. that yoga always was. 
um, for for me. So I think I'm not sure if I answered your question yeah. or went off on a major tangent. No, it's perfect. <laughs> I th- but I, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that I think that you pointed <laughs> at um, some some distinctions in cultural norm. There was I, yeah. I love I love the the imagery of driving from Boulder to our house, your first time coming here, and not knowing Denver, for example, it would have been a map thing. Totally. Stopping at a gas station thing. Right. And that that in itself as a as a micro example of how process has changed. Yeah. Based on technology and how process now is more immediate. We right. actually don't have to work as hard to know things like we did like we used to. Yeah, and I think to the to your point about studentship, you know, when we were students of maps. Yeah. You know, then like everything was about being a student. Like you had yeah. to figure out how to do everything. Everything. There was no use to get answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to get answers and you had to study and take a course instead you had to of ask people. Like yeah. popping up a YouTube video, you Absolutely. had to ask for help. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that um if you apply that to being a student of yoga, yeah, you're going to come up against um, a lack of studentship, which, yeah. which means, um, and studentship to me, first of all, the word adhikara means capable, mm-hmm. means like what you're capable of doing, or you have the capacity, the capacity. to do something. Yeah. And we're growing up now in this world where we don't have very much capacity or we have capacity, but we don't, we don't exercise it. Sure. And so then we don't even know how to be a student Yeah. in a way mm-hmm. because we're never having to exercise those abilities. Yeah. Never having to, so, never having to even test our capacity, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. And so what, what's, what's missing for the for the person that doesn't have uh, have that experience of being tested or or going through the process, what do you th- what do you think? Do what do we what do we give up in that? Well, I think we give up some brain power, mm-hmm. like some smarts. I think yeah. we get kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. I know I am. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm raising my hand. Yeah, I'm super dumb now. Like yeah. as compared to how I was, I don't want to put myself down. But but then I also think there's so much hope in that because I think yoga teachers have this opportunity to hold yoga classes that help people to fire up those muscles, so to speak. And I think as yoga students who are going to studios, I would suggest there are tons of ways that you can use your yoga class as an opportunity to exercise those yeah. capacities. Yeah. And I have thousands of ideas. Yeah, cool. Let's let's. For that. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to hear some about that. So, let's yeah. say that. Let's say that you're somebody that's been practicing for a while, and, and you're mm-hmm. you're no longer feeling you know intimidated to go to a studio and and be in that environment. What are some ways that that some students might up level down to frequency, variety, yeah, um, things like that? Well, I think first of all, find a teacher who's like kind of nerdy about this stuff, like mm-hmm. wants to go there with you, yeah. wants to share about alignment, wants to share about some of the mysteries of yoga and the teachings of yoga beyond just, you know, inhale, exhale, do this, do that. Yeah. Um, so find a, find a teacher that's sort of like 
in it for that for sure nerdiness you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. and then the second is like be a nerd so yeah. come to class with your questions mm-hmm. come to class um willing to challenge the teacher to give you modifications if the cl- if the pose they give you is to as like out of your realm yeah. right now right um, hey, can you show me a modification? Hey, I'm not sure I'm ready to kick up at the wall yet. Is there something else I could do that would progress me there? Yeah. So that you start to feel like you're actually um, a two-way player in the in the game. That's what well Versus like, I'm just going to show up and do what the teacher, you know, is, is asking me to do. You can participate right. in your learning. Um, the other thing is like, use it for the community. I mean, get to know people that are in the class. Don't be shy about inviting them all out for dinner after class or brunch after a Sunday class. So you start getting to know the people that are sharing similar values to you. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that it's not just the teacher that, that we learn from, but we learn mostly from each other, right? from the people in the class. Mm-hmm. So that's a great thing to do. I remember we did that all the time in the 90s. Yeah. <clears throat> We'd go out for Indian tali mm-hmm. dinners afterwards. Um, we went rock climbing together, all that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, another great idea is to attend retreats. So many mm-hmm. times yoga teachers have retreats where they take everybody from the studio to somewhere gorgeous. I know you guys just got back from a retreat in Costa Rica and that's wonderful because then you're like out of your element. Someone else is cleaning your, your bed, you know, making your bed every day and cooking for you. And you really can drop in not only to your own journey, but again, with all these cool people that share similar values to you. And it really allows you to, to grow as a person Um, in your yoga practice. And I think committing to a certain amount of classes per week, I can tell you that if you can do more than three classes a week, that's when you really start to feel the difference energetically in in how quick you are to react or to misdirect anger at at your pet or your your kid or something like that. You you drop in, um, you become more focused and more productive because you've done yoga. Yeah. The other thing is that like if you consider how much time we spend on our devices, every minute that you're out, you're at a yoga class, you you're are not on, on your, your device. device. You're right. unplugging and the, and we should not underestimate how deeply that affects us, our smarts in our brain, yeah. our capacity to focus. Right. Our attention span, creativity, I mean, you name it, productivity, sleep, everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So there's just so much that we can do to, um, to start looking at yoga, not as like, oh, I was going to, you know, check the box, but yoga as like, this is a part of my life and I'm committed to it because it touches all areas of my life. It makes me unplug it, it turns on my parasympathetic nervous system yeah. so that I can rest and digest and my immune system and sleep is better. Yeah. It's allowing me to um, shift from being reactive to more settled. Yeah, more <clears throat> grounded. Yeah, and again, the consistency is key. 
Yeah, and the community so. piece. Can, can, so many, so many statistics these days show us how people are lonely, uh, depressed, totally. in record numbers, um, feeling isolated. Yeah. And uh, there's a real distinction, I think. What, what I'm seeing as somebody that's on the side of um, running a studio is mm-hmm. that the studios are places where people gather together. Mm-hmm. And uh, more and more... You see, you don't see places where people gather together to to literally go and be with one another. There's, it's yeah. it's like you go somewhere to be distracted together, right? Yeah, you, know, you go to a, even, even to a concert, screen. or everyone's on their screen, or you go to a concert. You get your your. I mean, concerts are a different different thing, but but like movies, or you go from a little screen to a mm-hmm. big screen, mm-hmm. um, and that that you know churches, I think, are having a real challenge these days Mm. just in terms of getting uh, younger people involved and I think that uh, yoga and the community around it and the ability to actually separate ourselves from the masses in terms of all of the ways that it turns on our our physical self Mm -hmm. our mental self Mm -hmm. and then have some idea of what it is to be connected to your heart yeah to whatever you might refer to as your spirit Yeah. Well, I think being together is what develops empathy Mm -hmm. because when we look into each other's eyes, like you're in the flesh with another human being, you are looking into each other's eyes and that's the window to the soul, which sounds cheese ball, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah. When you look at a black mirror, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a screen, there's nobody looking back at you. Right. It's just this vapid thing that you're thumbing through and they and you know it might be easy to just dismiss that but there are studies of fifth graders totally. who are at the epitome of that sort of like being mean to each other type of age yeah and when the teachers are saying hey apologize to your classmate for hurting their feelings they're going like why right why should i apologize right and it's like because they don't have empathy. They've been actually looking at screens. Their ki- if their parents let them have phones or iPads or whatever. Yeah. And so we know that 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 face to face connection is what develops empathy. And if we have empathy in the world, all ships rise yeah. because we take care of each other That's instead true. of thinking only of ourselves. We take care of everyone in the community. Yeah. No matter where they come from. And then everybody lifts up. Everybody's happier. Yeah. But if we are in these little silos, yeah. whoa. Yeah. So, you know, the work you all are doing at Kindness is tremendous because you are creating these centers for mm-hmm. gathering. Yeah. And not only gathering and community, but also pursuing this incredible gift which is yoga this incredible path of transformation and practice and art form and so it's it's you kind of get like bonus you know you get together with the community and you're going to have this practice that'll help you live a more skillful life that makes the world a better place i mean can't think of more honorable work yeah thank you thanks for that (laughs) reflection it's true as you were talking there's a there's a predictable outcome to technology Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like in what you're talking about with the fifth graders and with kids, and I can see it with with my daughters. Mm-hmm. If they, they don't get much screen time at all, so good. But when <laughs> when they do, 
um, especially in the past, we've really worked with them, but it's, but it's been through diligence and through really being consistent with how we relate to them with their, with, with a screen. Mm-hmm. But when, um, our daughter's on a screen and we say, okay, you know, th- three minutes or two minutes or whatever, and we're going to be done with that. The meltdown, the Ugh. intensity, there's a predictable like addiction totally. that goes on to it. Totally. And then you have other activities that I, th- I think that, you know, I certainly took them for granted at the times that you and I grew up yeah. being, you know, really out, uh, outwardly focused not at a screen, but at each other, at yeah. nature and so forth. And some of these things that, you know, like I said, we take for granted. But today they're actually, they're, they're not as highly prioritized as, um, as I think they once were, right? right. There's, there's unfortunately just kids that are growing up in these silos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a predictable future there. There's a predictable future of it, it leads towards separation. Mm-hmm. And with yoga, there's a predictable future. Yeah. No matter where you're starting from right now, if you practice, if you are diligent, there's a predictable future. And mm-hmm. you and I have been blessed to get to see it so many times. Yeah. What are what do you do you remember any specific like student outcomes that that have been shared with you or ones that you had yourself that you were just like Wow, I can really, I can really get the difference that yoga has made. Um, anything that comes to the top of mind there, of like one of yeah, my students. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's one particular student that when I met him, he was about thirty five pounds heavier, uh, had like kind of bad breath, mm-hmm. was depressed, and very stiff, mm. and he went all in for the yoga. Yeah. Like not just the regular classes, but like the workshops, the retreats, mm-hmm. even the teacher training, whether it meant he was going to teach yoga or not, right. he went all in. Yeah. And literally within about 8 months, all the weight went off, the 35 pounds, breath changed. Yeah. Um uplifted, joyful, getting, you know, into the community. Mm-hmm. Um making really intense choices in his life that brought joy rather than pain and suffering kind right, of a right. thing. And, um, went from like stiff and kind of like in this little ball to like able to do back bends and even do drop backs from a standing position what? into wheel pose. And it was just extraordinary, like to see the empowerment of being able to get from a state of depression and kind of like poor health yeah um into this state of like choice like right you're free to choose joy and you're free to choose health and you have a community around you that supports you wow and it was just a complete and utter transformation from somebody just going for it like getting there getting to class no matter when he could you know just no matter what it took he was there Right. And yeah. that, that devotion and dedication, just it got results. Yeah. The outcomes are all there. Like it's a predictable future. That's right. Just like you said. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's mm-hmm. um, yoga, yoga does have a predictable future. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I, I, I love <laughs> just great. stumbling upon that with you just now mm-hmm. because yeah. it's really uh, it's really part of why it's been such a, a commitment for me and for yeah. you know to be a, a householder and mm-hmm. a business person and yeah. it's like okay be in the yoga business choose yoga whether it be something as an activity mm-hmm. or part of you know part of your livelihood or what have yeah. you teachers out there right students out there if you give to yoga mm-hmm. uh talk about cheese ball it gives back yeah <laughs> right but yeah it really occurs like that yeah well the thing i that i really appreciate about your classes is that when i'm in them there's something to there's like a gem or like a little nugget mm. that i can take home with me that will help me be a better person yeah and that I can walk away to like chew on. And I think that's where find teachers like that, mm-hmm. you know, because it will keep you on a path of, of inspiration where like it just, the knowledge never ends. The yeah. information never ends. The journey never ends. It just, you keep unfolding more and more to like the point where I'm constantly astonished. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I've been at this for what, 32, 33 years or something. And I'm still astonished, you know, by the worlds of yoga. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Final question, because before I let you go to, um, (laughs) you know, kindness is the the word that is our our flag and and really our North Star as a community. And so um, just curious about what the word kindness is means to you and how it how it shows up in your life or mm-hmm. or just how it makes you feel anything you want to share about that word yeah well when you were saying that the thing that pops up right away is that life um life is a mixture of great joy and it can also have tremendous difficulty and suffering and yeah. grief and you know to, to sort of love in the world means that you're going to have grief yeah and everyone is kind of walking a tough path. Yeah. And being human is like, it's just one of the toughest things I can, I can think of. Yeah. Um, and so if we live in a world where it's like we're all each fighting for our own benefit, that's the antithesis of kindness. Right. And so because we are each other's keepers, we are the only ones we've got. <laughs> if we're not kind, right. if we're not considerate, if we're not thinking of how we can make life better for yeah. each other, our life is just basically not going to be that great. Right. Like, like it's actually going to suck for yeah. us. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Like that's the great irony is that yeah. people think that they're you know, getting what they want at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. But really that's, that's a recipe for unhappiness Yeah, because you'll be on your deathbed wishing you had just helped others. Yeah. Cause that's what brings joy right. is service is being of, of benefit is being mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. Yeah. I'm a depressed wreck if right. I'm not kind and right. helping <laughs> others. So it's a freaking great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Sums yeah. It up. Well, if you ever find yourself a depressed wreck, you know who to call. <laughs> I got you. Thanks, got bud. You. Um, I'm so Tom, grateful to know yeah, you all these years, yeah, Patrick. Me too. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, tell us where can people know more about Amy? Oh my gosh. 
Well, I have a website. Yeah, <laughs> I'm now on the internet. There you go. It's com, which is I-P-P-O-L-I-T-I. And then we also have a school for yoga teachers called 90monkeys.com, 90monkeys.com. And I'm on all the social things too, like Instagram under the same name, Amy Apolity or 90monkeys. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and yada, yada. Yes. It's great. And Glow. I'm also on oh, the and, online yes. yoga. Teacher on Yoga Glow. G-L-O dot com. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I was just at <laughs> our kids' school picking mm-hmm. them up. And um, I mentioned to a gentleman who met his wife in my class who I married um, many years ago. Um, and I mentioned that we were going to do a podcast. And she, he said, oh, Tell her I take her class all the time on Yoga Glow. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Chris Herter. Oh, I love so, it. Really fun. Yeah. Uh, Kindness Collective yeah. community, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed uh, my time today with Amy. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Namaste. Namaste. Bye-bye.